0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community, inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Well, we're going a little old school today. Uh, Does everybody have some of the notes that they passed out? Yeah, okay. Um, Right, so we're going a little old school with that, and... um, The great commissioning of, of Jesus said to, therefore, go and make disciples. And the question is, when while well, going where? And that's that little phrase at the very top of your notes that says, while going through life. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And I just always like to start that with that idea that while we're going through life, many of the things that we talk about throughout the messages are things that we are to apply as we're going through our, our life as uh, as believers and as people who represent Journey Church. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Sharon brought us a great message on the bread. Uh, wasn't that memorable as we wrestled on the stage to get the bread open? Anybody? Uh, we, left, we laughed here at, all the way home about how that's going to be one of those memories uh, and Pastor's stories about not to get, being able to get the lid off of the bread. But uh, she preached a great message on that, and then the week before that, we talked about being partners in ministry. And I have uh, at, on your uh, notes there, I have the four things that we learned last week. First off, as, and this came from our study of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But we, we earn more and enjoy more rewards with partners, is our first thing. And secondly, we recover from our falls and our troubles quicker when we have a partner. Third is, we experience comfort. When we need it from partners. And I can tell you that this morning, Sharon is experiencing that comfort from partners. Um, For those who don't know, her mother passed away this morning about 3 a.m. And she's already received so many uh, people coming to her via the different medias and so forth just to give her some comfort. Um, But we experience comfort when we need it from our partners. And then finally, we are stronger with partners. The the, uh, old adage that two cords can make a powerful rope, but three is even stronger. So uh, when we partner with people, we are stronger. Now today we're going to look at how we get into that partnership. We're going to talk about some of the stages of partnership. and, And knowing these stages will help us either if we're in a partnership of ministry right now, it'll help us stay on track. Or maybe you're not in a partnership with anybody in ministry right now, and maybe this will be an encouragement on, on how you get there. Uh, these aren't complicated steps, but they are amazingly powerful. And our story is going to come out of uh, one of my favorite stories in the, in the Bible. is about Nehemiah. Just to give you a little background, little setup, um, the, the nation of Babylon had captured Jude, uh, Jerusalem, And as Babylons, uh, what they always did when they captured a place, instead of, of moving in and taking control of all the people there, they would take almost all the people out of that community they captured back to the Babylonian land and integrate them into that city. Uh, or that, uh, that country, and they would leave very few people there uh, to just to tend the flocks or do the gardens or whatever was necessary. But that's how the Babylonians did that. So many of the people that were in Jerusalem when they captured him were taken back to Babylonia. In the meantime, Persia became a superpower, and Persia took over Bab- the Babylonian nation, and the king of Persia had a little more sympathy for the Jews Uh, for the people out of Jerusalem than, than the previous kingdom did. So he began to let people go back. And Nehemiah was a leader there in uh, in Babylon of the uh, Jerusalem people, and he began to get word as people went back to Jerusalem, and they would come back and they would report to Nehemiah what was going on. And Nehemiah finds out that the place is in absolute shambles. The wall that they had built is all torn down. The temple's in disrepair, and, and uh, uh, it was it was a very difficult time. But what? The king, after Nehemiah talked to the king of Persia, he decided that he would let Nehemiah go back and see what he could do to rebuild the city and the wall. And uh, when he arrived, Nehemiah arrived, he found out that things were a lot worse than he had even heard. It was one of those things like the recent tornadoes we had. You could hear about it, but once you drove into one of those communities, it was just breathtaking. It was so disturbing to see the destruction. Well, that's the way it was for Nehemiah. When he gets back, it is much worse than he thought. And so, you know, it was way beyond what Nehemiah could do by himself to restore anything in Jerusalem. He knew, and God knew, God had intended this all along, that Nehemiah was going to have to pull the people together that were left there, that were in Jerusalem at that time. He was going to have to pull them together in sort of a partnership to get get the work done of rebuilding the city. So, God never intended for Nehemiah to do it alone. So he needs these partnerships, and he wastes no time in putting them together. And, and he goes through several stages in doing this. Let's look at the first stage. It's the stage of relationship, relationship building. Uh, we're in chapter 2, verse 17 in Nehemiah, and we're going to start there. And it says, Then I said to them, this is Nehemiah, said to them, You, meaning the Jews there in Jerusalem, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. And then they replied, let us start rebuilding. Ministry partnerships... Start with relationships. Individuals drawing close together like friends. Partners have a a chemistry with each other. They gel, so to speak. They bond together. Uh, Maybe you have met people like this, the ones that act as if they don't ever need a friend. They don't need anybody to help them do anything. They're all so independent that, you know, I can do it on my own, and I don't need anyone, don't need you. In other words, they pretend to be self-sufficient people. Galatians 6 3 says this if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Another little jab in the gut, huh? If you think you're that important, let me tell you, God says you are not that important. So the first stage of partnership is developing. Uh, friendships with others. Uh, how do you do that? Well, here in the church, let's look at that. Here in the church, you, you've got to be involved with other people. You can't develop a partnership by just showing up here on Sunday and then going home. You've got to come to the other things. Now, I was sort of surprised that when you, um, of the uh, a response you had to handing out the school supplies to the school, the CODA. The amount of stuff that you handed out just blew me away. But what surprised me was the day of the handout, how few people came to that. See, in, in the order to build partnerships, you've got to be at the things the church is doing so you can you know, get, build the relationships and become a part of what's going on and, and get the vibe and get the energy and get the excitement for it. You can't do that from long distance. So, one of the things you've got to do is build that relationship with people. The second is the formation stage. In verse 18, it says, Let us start rebuilding. This is the point in the partnership when we are willing to make our contribution to what's going on. We realize that we have something unique to add to the partnership. We see uh, our part, when we add it to the other parts, will make something all come together. And there's a formation of the skills that we have, the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the resources. When we combine all that, we begin seeing a force that can do things in our community and in our church. This is about identifying with other partners. Now, notice again, the verse says, let us. It doesn't say, let me, but let us not let everybody else but me, but let us. Chuck Swindoll, in his book, The Finishing Touch, says this, since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, superb, capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life is lonely enough without our playing that silly role. In other words, let's quit acting like we can do it alone and realize that we are needed in a partnership, in the partnerships of ministry. So the formation stage is when we are willing to link up and make our contribution to the ministry. The third thing is the functioning stage. Verse 18 again says, so they begin this good work. This is about the producing this is the stage of working together. This is where cooperation has to flourish. You probably notice how uh, sometimes other people don't always cooperate. None of you, of course, no, you know, we're all good at it. But there are other people you've probably heard of them in other churches. You know, they they don't always cooperate. And and what it is? Don't you just wish those people could be around us so that they, you know, because we're always right. And they're not always right. Of course, that's some sarcasm folks that you know, the, th- the thing is, it's not easy to cooperate. I don't care who we are. We're always going to be in, in the midst of people who don't always think like we do. Uh, th- their ideas are a little bit you know different. And, and sometimes cooperation isn't always easy. And we probably need to hear this that we're not always right either. There is always an advantage to letting others get involved in the partnership and sometimes stepping back and letting them put their idea in the hopper. It will help us not to struggle so much when we have others around me. Cooperation helps keep the interest of others. And sometimes, it will give us advantages that we hadn't thought about. It will give us the ability to do more than ever. The cooperation is essential to get the partnership started. Uh, There was a newsman many years ago by the name of Charles Osgood, and he told this story about a lady named Ruth, who had a pretty bad stroke. Ruth was a very accomplished pianist. But when she had this stroke, she could no longer use her left arm. And it just was devastating to her that she couldn't play the piano anymore. And she had to move into an assisted living kind of facility And the director of the facility, he listened to her talk about how she loved the piano and how much she missed the piano, and and, you know it just was, it broke her heart. Well, the director knew of another lady in the facility. She had also had a stroke, only she could use her left arm and not her right arm, just the opposite of Ruth's. And guess what she was able to do as well? She could play the piano. So the director got the two of them together, and he made a proposal. Why don't the two of you sit down and see if you can figure out, Ruth, you use your right arm, Betty, you use your left arm, and see if you can't figure out how to play the piano. And they both scoffed at the idea. And he said, no, ladies, you've got to try this. You try. And he finally convinced them to sit down and try it. And what happened was eventually they could play the piano doing this, In fact, both of them admitted afterwards that they were even more accomplished as pianists, as partners, than they were as individuals. What a great story. We can play sometimes more beautiful music when we partner with other people. So the functioning state of partnership is to bring in the the cooperation. And when we start cooperating... We go to the next stage, the fruitfulness stage. Verse Chapter 4, verse 6 says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. Now remember that phrase. We rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. When we see the results from our partnership as successes that that are coming our way, that is when the real construction starts. starts It, it begins to make you even more enthused to get something done when you see a few uh, of those things that come true in, in your hopes and your partnerships. Way back in 1878, there were these two cousins by the name of um, uh, Harley and James, and they had been in the soap-making industry, and they mostly made soap for the Civil War, uh, for the armies. Well, one day in making the soap, uh, one of them fell asleep at the switch, and the machine that, that made, uh, made the soap, stirred it up, went way too long. And it went so long that it fluffed up the soap And put a lot of air in it, which is not the way that the soap that came from Europe was made. It was made with oil, and it was real solid. And they thought, well, we can't afford to throw this stuff away, and the army will buy anything. So they cut it up into bars, and they shipped it off to the army. Well, the army came back and said, the men love this soap, because when they get in the bathtub, they can always find it. It floats on top. And they thought... Well, this is a good idea. Maybe other people will like it. So they started producing this soap and selling it all over the place. They decided after reading the Psalms one day to call it ivory because it was white. And so James and Hardy went on with this partnership to produce one of the most successful corporations in modern history. And their last names, and I heard some, saw somebody who already knows, their last name was Proctor and Gamble. Still a thriving corporation today. But sometimes it's not that easy to see the results of our hard work. And it makes us wonder uh, what we do. Does it, does it really make a difference that I'm, I'm putting all this energy and effort? I mean, every day, if you could just see some dramatic Result in the ministry work that you're doing, I mean, wouldn't that make such a difference for us if every day you could just see something great happen? And, and, you know, people would be lining up to get into your, to be a part of your ministry if every day you saw some dramatic thing happen, a success. People would line up, they would want, I want to be a part of something that's 100% successful and easy to see or something that's instantaneous. If I give my effort today, we're, and we're going to see something great. Um, or I'll be a part of a ministry if it's really easy to do, if you know, it doesn't take much work, um, or if it doesn't take much of my time. I mean, if we had those kind of ministries always available, wouldn't it be great if we'd have a lot of people wanting to be a part of it? But actually, that's not the way ministry normally works. The reality is a partnership means work, sometimes hard work, sometimes emotionally difficult work. Many times, spiritually draining work. But to be sure, it's work. And and the fact is that sometimes it's work that shows no immediate return on your investment of time and energy and effort and resources or whatever you're giving. It doesn't show anything immediate. You don't know if your ministry even had an impact or if anyone responded or if anyone paid attention. I mean, if you've ever... If you've ever helped out with the children's department, you don't ever, it's like, I don't know if what I did they had any impact on anybody. At my former church, the story went around, it was way before me, but the story went around about these two men that were at the church years ago, and they started a ministry of driving a bus to pick up kids. And one of the areas that they went into was a rough area. And they would go in and pick up whatever kids were out on the curb waiting for them. But there was one particular house where, just like clockwork, every Saturday night the mom and dad drank and drank until they passed out. And come Sunday morning, they weren't even awake to get the kid, their, their little boy out for Sunday school. These two men found out about it. And they just walked right through the front door every Sunday morning, went into the little boy's bedroom, woke him up, got him on the bus, took him back to the church. They they cleaned him up. They fed him breakfast. Year, I mean, week after week after week, they did that until the little boy got big enough that he could make his own way. And then he stopped coming to church. And so the two men thought, man, all that effort and energy we put in, all that effort all the times that we tried our best to help him probably didn't even it's probably a waste of time well by the time i get to the church which is decades later one of those two men passed away and we had his viewing there at the church and people came in and a lot of them i didn't know they were people that knew him from his past and but one man he was about uh, 40 years old Uh, came up to the family and said, I know you guys don't know who I am, but just let me tell you what your dad did for me. I was a little boy, and my parents were drunk all the time, and your dad would come in every Sunday morning and get me out of bed, and he would bring me here, and he would feed me breakfast, which my folks didn't have for me, and they would clean me up, and they did it week after week after week. And I wish I would have come back to tell him that I now know the Lord because of him. See, sometimes it takes a long time to find out the results of the ministry work that you do. But you know who always knows the result of your work, even if you don't? The Lord knows. The God that you serve. And that's really all that counts. Is that the God that you serve knows how your heart is has been turned to do ministry to help people to get the gospel out to do whatever you can do as a representative of the, of the kingdom of jesus even if you don't see the results immediately don't let that discourage you it's just the nature of ministry the fact is that the greatest reward for the hard work of ministry is often seen in the little bitty victories not big things A little victory of where one child learns a Bible verse in vacation Bible school. A young boy learns to pray out loud in his Sunday school class. A a senior in their 80s suddenly discovers that there is a ministry they can be involved in. A soul that finds the love of Christ. A single mom who finds help in raising your ch- children. A widow that discovers a place that helps her through her loneliness. Rarely are the victories gigantic. The victories of hard work are more often reflected in the small things. That is the partnership of ministry. And you are needed. All of you are needed. All of us are needed. We all need to develop some Friendships with those with similar passions, if we can find it, and be willing to contribute your part. Begin working together and enjoy the fruit of your partnership. The fifth stage is the prayer stage. And going back to the story of in Nehemiah, it says when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem mall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. Leadership guru John Maxwell says, when your partner in prayer, You partner with God. Pretty good partner to have, isn't it? And to have God Almighty as your partner means this. You have Jesus interceding for you. When you partner with God, it means you have the Holy Spirit as a partner responding to your needs. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. A successful partnership means you also need to pray together. Prayer partners. There is power that is released when ministry partners come together and pray. I used to meet with a group of guys on a Friday morning at the awful hour of 6 a.m. Every Friday morning. And these guys would come in and we would pray for all these needs that we were aware of in the church. But one of the needs was, was for the son of one of those men. That son did not know the Lord. He had gone to church there but never made a commitment. And every week we faithfully prayed for that young man to come to know Christ. I, I knew him and I thought... Man, this is going to be a long shot at best. And then one day the crisis hit him. He ended up in the hospital. A doctor walked in. I was in there with him. A doctor walked in and said, I'm going to tell you right now, young man, one more drink and your pancreas is probably going to give out completely and you're going to die. Just telling you. This is how close you are to death. And he laid there for a day or two contemplating that. And then he asked, would you pray with me? And he turned his life over to the Lord. Went on to become a Bible study leader. Went on to be a leader in the church. Uh, found a godly woman and married her. His life totally turned around. And we always would reflect on how his dad came faithfully to meet with his prayer partners every Friday morning to pray for his son. Prayer partners are a powerful, powerful thing. Do you have one? Do you have a prayer partner? Who would you call? Who would you call when you need prayer? That would be your prayer partner. You you don't have one. You need to find one. You need to enlist somebody and say, can we occasionally just call? Maybe you set up the amount of times you do it, but you need people to pray with, to be prayer partners. And if you've got a ministry going on, as all those involved in that ministry, you shouldn't start one ministry event without first coming before the Lord in prayer. Partners who pray together are powerful partners. As I bring this around to that last stage, it's a stage that hopefully you never have to go through. But I'm going to tell you, if you're in ministry, it happens sometimes. Sometimes things can pop up that are just attacking you as a ministry. And you just feel like the enemy is getting the upper hand. It's a stage I hope you don't have to go through, but be aware of this. I call it the refocus stage. When sometimes we just got to stop for a moment and refocus on what we do. In, in Nehemiah 4.10, it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. Remember a while ago when I said, remember that, st- that phrase when it says, The wall was built up 50%. They have, when they started rebuilding the wall, 100% of the wall was laying on the ground. They're at the stage where they've got half of the rubble picked up and it's made back into a wall again. Then they reach this conclusion. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the labors is giving out. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Halfway done and suddenly they can't do it. When someone in the partnership loses perspective, it can weaken the relationship. It can impact the partnership focus or the agreement that was made with the the partners. When you lose focus, it can be like a breach of contract between the partners, so to speak. A loss of focus can become like an infection. And we all know what happens if an infection is not deal with, dealt with. The wall builders in this text here, they lost perspective. They lost sight of the success of half the wall being built up. And they begin to focus on the part that wasn't done yet. And suddenly, half the wall seemed to be more Then they could handle half the rubble. And their focus was on the wrong thing. Suddenly, this is too big of a job. I can just imagine things. This is too big of a community. This is, you know, too big of a need out there for food. There's too many kids that need school supplies. There's just too many for, uh, for us to do anything. That's a loss of perspective sometimes the refocus to refocus on the goals of our partnership and ministry can be the most important thing that we do to stay on track nehemiah realized this he and his partners needed to come back together and get on track again so he brings them back and in chapter four beginning verse 14 it says then as i looked over the situation i called together the leaders and the people and said to them don't be afraid of the enemy By the way, it's the enemy that always tells you you can't. Can you imagine having a God-ordained partnership of ministry that God would ever say, okay, that's enough. You stop it. Who's going to tell you to stop it? It's always going to be the enemy. Anytime you hear that negative, first thing you need to do is name the source. And when it's something that's against God and his, and his church, you can always know this, that it comes from the enemy. Nehemiah realized, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your friends and your families and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we knew their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all return to our work on the wall. Our previous challenge was to that each member here, I gave you this challenge two weeks ago, that you, you go as, and pray about being in partnership. Pray about the ministry work of the church. Pray about the fact that, that it needs every person involved and not just some of the people. And that God has this tremendous blessing for those faithfully carrying out ministry. Blessings that no one should miss because they are sitting on the sidelines. Hopefully your prayers have left some of you inspired. Inspired to continue the ministry partnerships that you're already in. Or hopefully, if you're not really in one, your prayers have encouraged you, encouraged you to step up and find that place where you can indeed serve and who needs you as a partner. So here's the next step for this week. I gave you this outline, not only just to follow along, but I gave you this outline because I want you to take it with you. I want you to go through those steps that we've put down there. And, and I want you to, first off, just evaluate, where am I in this? Which step am I at? And maybe you're down in, at, at step five and you're on target. Maybe that's true. Be encouraged. Keep going. But maybe you might see that you're up a couple of notches. You're not quite where God wants you yet. And wherever you find yourself, take start listing, what would it take me to do? What would I have to do? to reach the next level? What would it take me to go from step three to step four? What would it take me to do from go to four to five? Start listing those things down so you know how to focus your prayer and how you can ask your prayer partner or partners to focus with you. I'm going to tell you, if we get this partnership thing where it is the DNA of journey, This church has no limits, no bounds to the many people that it can impact for Christ. And I pray that you'll do that this week. Pray with me. God, it's always exciting to know your promises. And your promise of I will be with you always when we are in your favor, when we are doing what you have called us to do. Now, I'm not sure everybody here knows a relationship with you. You know, the first thing we have to do is become a partner with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that first step of developing a relationship, that's where it begins. So there may be some here today who need to start that relationship with you. They need to come before you and say, Jesus, forgive me. Um, Purify me and bring me into this great relationship with you that you have promised. I commit myself to you. Maybe some here need to do that, Lord. I pray that today will be the day they make that step. For others, I I pray that they'll discover where they are in this, and and they will start uh, building. If they have no partnership going on in ministry, that they'll start making relationships for that, or they'll start moving in up to the next level. And if they are great partners in ministry right now, running a, a partnership, I pray that those will start reaching out to be the ones that the new people can find a relationship with. And together, Lord, build a partnership team in this church that's powerful, that's effective for the kingdom, your kingdom. In Christ's name.